sent. It's just a, we're recording. There we go. All right, everybody. Welcome to episode 11 of the Modern Educator Podcast. I am joined here by my former student, uh, Joe Lynch. Joe is my Hello. student three years ago, and I have not seen Joe for, uh, for about a year. I think we've had some minimal communication, but Joe has now graduated high school during this pandemic, and uh, he's joined me on the podcast today to talk about being a high schooler and to uh, talk about what what makes teachers good. So, yeah, Joe, why don't you first kind of introduce yourself to to my podcast universe? Uh, hi, my name is Joe Lynch. I went to Rancho High School. I graduated this year, two thousand twenty, and uh, yeah, I had Mr. Brown as my world history teacher in sophomore year, and he is still one of the best teachers I've ever had. Wow, yeah, see this. These are the kind of guests you bring on your podcasts. Um, all right, Joe, so uh, why don't you just describe your general high school experience, fill people in with, with, with how, you, how you feel high school was for you? Uh, high school at first is kind of daunting because it's a new big place. It's very unique in how people interact with each other and how you can at certain points be expected to act like an adult and in other ways get treated like a child, but you usually find a balance and people will uh, figure out who you are and how to treat you just based on who you are. And it's very important as a person going through high school to find out who you are while you do it. And that's probably the most important thing about high school. Well, and, and did you have a change of perspective during your high school career? Did you start expecting one thing and end up getting another? Yeah, definitely. Uh, there was a lot of change that just happened uh, in perspectives of the world and of people because you meet what just when you think you understand certain people they'll throw you a curveball or a new person will show up that just defies your expectations so you get a broader view of life and society and people in that society so that way you can uh i don't know, just be a better person all right cool um and now i'm assuming most of my listeners are going to be people in their late 20s early 30s uh, how do you think modern high school is different and unique from high school 20 years ago? In some ways, I think it's different just by what we do, the the way things are taught with new technology and new developments and science and our understanding of history and whatnot. And I think that a more modern lens is placed on history and science the ways people used to think which can have good and bad effects but for the most part i think it's the same in the structure of it and the way kids are and people act okay yeah um and what, what did you do in high school like what extracurriculars and stuff were you involved in uh, i Mainly, aside from just normal school and hanging out with friends, I was in junior ROTC and a uh, special drill team on in ROTC, which definitely gave me some more discipline and structure and expanded my social groups. And uh, it helped me develop and come out of my shell, you know. Hmm. And, and would you just say that the ROTC kids... Were kind of your 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 prime social core. Were they your your closest friends, or is that yeah. incorrect? Uh, the team that I was on, we all got very close. We were like brothers and sisters. If someone called for help, the others would run from across the school to meet you, and uh, it was just a tight knit group of people. And the rest of ROTC, we had that connection that automatically made it easier to talk and whatnot uh so even if they left rotc it would 
you knew them a little bit already. So that was definitely my main social circle that was filled with people from ROTC. But even people who weren't in ROTC, I could connect with because, especially as the years went on, you've just known or seen each other around once or twice at least. So you can start up a conversation about anything and just go. And, and would you say that your friends, did they distract you from learning more and experiencing school more, or did they support you in learning more and I don't know, because I'm, I'm pretty confident you got an A in my class. I, 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 can't oh, yeah. say I think I got like a, like an 89.7 or something. Oh man. Yeah. Oh, if, if I didn't round, I'm just a terrible person, aren't I? Oh. No, it's, it's good. <laughs> that, that was definitely on me the last little bit of that year. I was just kind of out of it. But. Well, I, I remember you were a great student in the class, great participator. You definitely learned stuff from me. And would you say that your friends supported you being like a learner or were they, I don't know, not supporting you? I guess it depends on the friends because some of them were definite slackers and they ditched class and whatnot. And while I never did that, I did have friends who supported me and we all worked together and whenever we were in class we would even if we were talking we were still focusing because we would be interested and want to actually learn and improve hmm. okay cool so uh let me just ask you this straight up did you enjoy school did you look forward to a, a new day every day absolutely as sometimes i would dread going to school the next day but i did love it if not for the classrooms it was the teachers and the friends and whatnot and i definitely having graduated am realizing that i really miss my biggest worry being procrastinating for that math test or studying for anatomy class because problems are a lot more difficult now they're they seem a lot more daunting hmm. yeah. uh, okay um, now uh, what what would you change about Rancho High School if you had just superpowers and could could make the school a better place for for learning and a better place for quote good students I think one of the things I would change is just it's it seems like a lot rides on grades. I, I knew people who were so worried about their grades that they'd get stressed out, they barely slept, they'd study all the time, and it, it took a toll on them, and you could tell. And on the other hand of that, there's kids who got perfect scores and whatnot, but they were cheating to do it, and they we're just so worried about getting that valedictorian, getting those letters of uh, recommendation for colleges and whatnot, because uh, that's their perception about school. You know, so I, I think that I would put a lot more emphasis on getting students to learn the material and actually, you know, keep it and apply it as opposed to just memorizing it. And there are teachers who try to do that, but I feel like even a lot of the teachers who do that, it doesn't feel like it matters more than the test to learn. Hmm. So you're only learning it for the purpose of the test. Yeah, a lot of the time it feels like that. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, tests tests are the way to evaluate kids. So uh, I don't. Uh, but yeah, maybe if there was some way of you just synthesizing all the knowledge you learned, but then what would you would you propose having some big essay at the end of the year? Well, I mean, that might help. But then again, what's going to happen after the essay? Because you might remember it long enough for the essay. But I, I guess the more accurate way to uh, put what I'm saying is that Rather be, I'd rather be 
given a bit more guidance, not uh, like not guiding, like handholding, but just a bit more guidance, a push in, in the right directions for how to apply what we learn to our lives than just the specific topic we're studying at the moment. Because I have to admit that a lot of students will complain about why do we have to learn calculus? I need to learn how to pay taxes. And most of them don't want to pay taxes. They just want to complain about school. <laughs> so I get that, you know, learning about math is learning different ways to solve problems and learning about yeah. science is, you know, finding out how things work so you can better understand them and use them properly. And so there are deeper lessons in these subjects, but they don't come across well most of the time. Yeah, the, the practical application is sometimes lacking, so. Yes. Yeah. Well, okay, so why don't, why don't I just deep dive into this? Because I'm just excited to, to bring my ego up. So you've, oh uh, you've, you've mentioned that I'm your favorite teacher, one of the top teachers ever. Yes. What made me so good, Joe? Go, go ahead, lather it on me. Why, why did I, what did I do so well? When you taught, first of all, you, you fully uh, adopted the mindset of, I, even if the school board tells me to do something, I'm going to make sure that as best I can following that, even if I have to push the lines, I'm going to teach these kids what they need to learn. Because I remember being in your classroom junior year and you telling us about how uh, you thought it was ridiculous that the school board changed it so that you started learning history at the Renaissance because there's so much before that that you need to cover. So you're like, I'm going to cover that anyway. I'll condense it, but I will cover it. And, yeah, I and thought that well, was yeah. Cool. I'm, but okay, I did follow the school board's advice. I yes. just gave a week long pre-history lesson yeah um yeah and i mean it's 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 sad because i mean you you had my class before i cut prehistory and there was yeah. some really cool stuff in prehistory there like, was man just the whole just learning about the church was great and medieval <laughs> times and how we regressed and it's it shows but i mean i love ancient civilizations like Persia and Greece and Arabia that's all fascinating and I would have never learned that I would have never learned about my favorite historical figure which I still need to get a brush up lesson on El Cid because you made that lesson so great because oh, he's the best that was that was the other that was the other biggest part of why you're the, my favorite teacher is whenever you told us lessons you made it fun you were telling us the story of history you weren't just telling us that this happened at this time and this is what it led to you were telling it to us and maybe that's just me because i like hearing stories and i like telling stories but getting it's almost like i'm getting an oral history of the world like it's a tradition that keeps getting passed on you know because i could read it in a book but it's not exactly the same as the emotion that you put into it when you told us how it was and you made it fun. The, the homeworks that you gave us, which weren't a lot of the time homeworks that were in class, you know, accompanied readings and documents that went along with what you told us, they related to it in such a way that just expanded on the subject and not reiterated the core things that you were telling us, you know? So, yeah, you just created the best vibe in a classroom that made me feel safe to go and talk to you later or even after school. Because not a lot of teachers made me feel like I could go and talk to them, but you were definitely one of them. Well, thank you, Joe. I, I really appreciate that. And I, yeah, that, that basically is my, my educational philosophy. It's present history as a story, because it is. It's a true yeah. story. It's the true story of how our society came now. to be. Um, yeah. Uh, and uh, I mean, like, I, cause I, I could always tell with you, especially Joe, that you were just so happy 
to come into my class. I think I think I had you had me the last period of the day. I think right. Uh, it started out the, yeah the last period of the day, and then I got moved because I oh. switched my magnet class. So there was a schedule change, and I got moved to the middle of the day, right before lunch. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think that year I basically only taught honors world history, so that was easy for me. Um, but yeah, I'll tell you, like when I am up there teaching the class, and you know, you saw enough of me do it. I treat it almost like a stage, and I become yes. an actor, and I, you know, pretend I am King Louis the Sixteenth, and I pretend I am uh, I Genghis Khan. Always, or I will always remember your hilarious portrayal of Emperor Caligula. Oh, oh, you, you know what? Don't share too many details on the podcast. I won't. I'm not. I'm just. Yeah. He, was, he, he was. He was a little, little cray cray. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I. I, w I was exhausted at the end of the day, so many days, because yeah. it, it seriously was almost like me putting on a show for five hours. Yeah. And um, well, I'll, I'll just see if you have a thought on this. So the, the current mindset that so many people in like education theory say is they say that uh, pr presentation style instruction is a bad idea. They say that students do not learn when teachers are, you know, with a PowerPoint up in front of the classroom, going through slides, telling information. They say that students always will learn better when you give them a book and you put them in a small group and you have the small group learn out of a book. What, what do you say to that? I feel like there's a lot of flaws in that thinking because the most obvious one is putting kids in a circle with a book they're not, if you have some specific point you're trying to make with a certain point in history, or if you have some core idea in science that you're trying to come across, or they need to learn something about the body and biology, you're not going to have the fine control in the lesson that they're getting from that book. Like the chapter may go around it, but you don't know what the kids are going to take out of it what they're going to retain. And I agree that the uh, presentation style learning can be dull and not work very well, but I think it entirely depends on how you go about it. Because if you go up there for an hour and put on a PowerPoint, read the points, you know, expand a little bit, and then move on, you're not going to retain much from that. Uh, and even if you pair that with some practical stuff, it's going to be better, but it's like you're trying to teach the same thing in different ways which will help people but the same issue will come up with it's just hitting you it's like hitting you with a book and trying to get the information in so if you do it like my psychology teacher senior year ap psychology am i allowed to say his name um yeah i i, I guess i but you don't have to just just say okay. you took so I, from there. my psychology teacher and it makes sense that it's psychology because they'll they one of the biggest things they talk about is the best way to learn he did it presentation style but it was he had little breaks where we discussed questions relating to the topics not a you know we have questions about what was presented because we could ask and he would answer, but then he would put little things on how it would relate to us, how we think what we just learned would work uh, in this context or whatever. And it got us thinking about it, predicting the answers. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's what worked. I probably learned the most in that class and retained it for, the longest amount of time without review. And so presentation style can absolutely work. It just can't be direct lecture for the entire time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I do know teachers that do have, you know, these hour and a half long periods and they simply present the entire hour and a half. Yeah. But 
if you recall, my class was was very structured, where it was kind of the the starting framing questions. Then I did the presentation, but then I did primary documents or videos or uh, and every once in a while I switched up with a game simulation activity. So I I, I did my best to to not be the the one hundred percent lecture man. Yeah, but... and you did a great job with that because all those activities we had to use what we learned and it gave us a sense of context because we couldn't be there in the middle ages when all the feudalism was happening but if we simulate feudalism in the classroom if we simulate communism versus socialism versus capitalism then we understand a bit more what it's like and we get the lesson better yeah yeah make make it a a, a moving activity where kids have an experience. I always think that's a, a great teaching strategy too. Yeah. Um, okay, and I, I think you've commented about this a bit already, but what, what do you think makes a teacher effective? Is there any other, like, is there advice you would give for someone who wants to be a good teacher? Uh, I think the first big thing is don't prepare kids for the test prepare them for you know life where the lesson works for them and they are using it because i remember in ap classes the most of them were about preparing you for the test making sure you do well on the test because it does translate to college and therefore your job opportunities maybe uh, your careers but the test is only a small part of what you can actually do with that because you'll still have that qualification. And if you get them prepared properly, then they will just do well on the test because they're good at it, not because they prepared for the test well. Uh, the, uh, the next part, the other big thing, I am a big fan of the teaching style, maybe because I grew up around it and it may not work well for everyone, but in my experience using it to help teach others and just being taught this way, it works the best. And it's not without flaws, but it works the best is asking questions and leading them to the right answer instead of giving them the answer and telling them why that's the answer. You know, cause I know in science class, they'll do that a lot. They will, you know, ask you a question and then give you the answer and then tell you why it works the way it works. But if you give someone a general lead and you give them little tidbits, it, yeah. the way I view it is people will remember things better and be happier to learn if they think they came to that conclusion. Even if really you led them there, they'll feel like I came to that conclusion I feel good. I worked at that and they'll feel better about that. Okay, cool. All right. Now I hope this can be a, a pretty deep dive and let's, let's not use anyone's specific names here, but in your experience, I'm sure you've also had some bad teachers over, over your life. Um, yeah. Can you, without saying names, what, what, Things did they do? Why was a teacher bad in your perspective? So I had uh, an English teacher who was preparing us for AP. And he was... He was not a bad teacher, but there were bad habits that he had. Okay. And so the biggest one, my biggest pet peeve with him was we would be analyzing something and... So he would ask us, you know, based on what we read, what was our analysis of this part? And so we'd raise our hands and say, well, maybe it's this. You know, I thought that this is representative of this. And, you know, and very rarely would he go, I see your point. I, I, I see how you got there. And I like that. But I was thinking something else. Most of the time he would just say, no, that's not it. How did you get there? And then he would later on, you know, a couple months later, he'd ask us for what we analyzed, what we got from the reading, and none of us would raise our hands. 
and he'd say, why aren't you raising your hands? Even if it's wrong, you need to express it. So his attitude it, so... discouraged students from sharing ideas. Yeah, because there was a couple times where I pointed something out or another student would say that this is what they analyze, and he's like, that's not what I got, but I like that. That works, and I understand how you got there. And he would sometimes even compare it to his own analysis and see the similarities and differences and see how they both could be correct. And that was the more encouraging times. That's what kept me answering questions, aside from just the general hardening that I had to do of I'm going to get yelled at. I don't care. It, that's another thing good about ROTC is you get <laughs> so used to getting yelled at that you're just like, all right, he's yelling. He's not mad at me. He's just yelling. But uh, yeah, so encouraging, accepting answers. And if they're blatantly wrong or ridiculous and there's no actual foundation for it, then of course it's like a what no okay uh nice try i guess but you know the better thing is when instead of vehemently discouraging what someone got on their own even if it isn't right you, they're working on it and you can help lead them in the right direction if you say i see how you got there but what if i told you this and presented a different route and maybe you get the student to come to your conclusion by giving those them leading questions like you exactly. said before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did, did you ever have any teachers? Because you, have you been in Clark County your entire school yeah. life? Las Vegas, born and raised. So. Okay, yeah. Have you ever had any teacher who was completely terrible? They would just get an, they would get an F. Uh. <laughs> Don't say names. Uh, I'm not saying names, but I think you might know. I don't. So, junior year, I had a history teacher. Oh, thankfully, I was a sophomore history teacher. Yep. Everyone. Yep. Sophomore, me. Yeah. Okay. No, don't don't uh, say names because I'm certain I know who this person is. Yes, I'm certain you are, and if you're not, you will. Uh. So. Relating back to history, and this can apply to anything where somebody focuses too much on one common thing that happened throughout a development, like in science. If someone believed so much or was so interested in this thing and had to teach general science, and they kept bringing up this thing, even when it wasn't the main focus of what we're supposed to learn at this moment, not saying it's not important. It's just not the main focus. So, for example, it's it's like if there's a science teacher who's supposed to teach the whole periodic table of elements, but just deep dives into hydrogen the whole school year. Yeah. Or more relates, yes, that and relates hydrogen to everything else and talks about how hydrogen is involved in everything else and focuses, you know, shifts your view to hydrogen even when you're supposed to be focusing on the whole thing or focusing on smaller parts, they would shift a lot of the attention towards hydrogen. So in this case, it was, we were learning about history, U.S. history, and all throughout history, we, you know, early on we talked about how we wanted to escape uh, religious judgment and persecution, and then talked about the slave trade, which was understandable. And then we talked about the development of the country and then talked more about slavery, which understandable. And so we started the school year mainly around the end of the Civil War and the Reconstruction. So there was a lot about slavery, and that makes sense. But then as we got into the year, even past civil rights, there was so much focused on the racism and all of that that's happening that we it felt like the entire year wasn't a lesson on u.s history it was a history of racism in the u.s and well, racism is the a, national conversation right now in the summer of 2020 is how the u.s is a history of racism 
So it, it is, and it does, and it is very important to learn about. I just feel like the focus was so much on the racism that we didn't learn very much of the rest of it. Mm. So that it seemed to be just that teacher and like I said, there's nothing wrong with teaching racism. I don't want anyone to get yeah. the wrong idea. It's very important to learn. It's just that was it seemed to be not to the core focus of what we were supposed to learn, yeah. yet it was shifted there. And that I've seen that happen. Probably race relations in the United States is in the Nevada history content standards. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure there's 50 standards. And you yeah. felt that those 49 other standards were probably neglected. Yes. So, yeah, that, and I feel like that similar air of focusing on one subject can come through in other subjects as well. But, yeah, that, it was, that was a teacher that got on everyone's nerves. <laughs> oh gosh. Cuz there were yeah, it was just a couple of other there were other things too that we were focused on. She focused us on that seemed, you know, I understood where she was coming from maybe more than other students, but it still just wasn't hitting in the way she intended, I don't think. And I don't think she could really see why it wasn't. She wasn't framing it for us to see why it was important. Yeah, and I've I've reflected on the own way my own way that I taught history and I I don't want to focus on only one thing. I mean, maybe, you know, my history of the world was kind of the history of conflict more than anything else cuz I don't know, wars are exciting. But yeah. and and I think there probably were a couple of standards that I neglected on a bit. I don't know, like I I think there was one time where I was like talk about the culture of Victorian England. And I'm like, I'm just going to say the industrial revolution and move on. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't remember Victorian England, no. but I, I think that's with every teacher and every subject, because there's so many topics. I mean, this is just from what I've heard from teachers, including you, but there's so many topics that you have to fit in this short amount of time, relatively with all the breaks and all the tests that you have to do that, it's hard to fit it all in equally and properly and get it all to stick. Yeah. I mean, I, cause I'm supposed to get all the way to the modern era. I'm supposed to teach you guys September 11th, but I, I only got to 1989 and like run out of time every year. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, that's just, it's just not enough, not enough days in the week. Exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. So is there anything else you want to say about just general teacher advice? Um, should we move on to the next topic? I think we can move on. All right, let's do it. Um, okay, so uh, I think we've okay, we already answered that. Um, all right, so Joe, you're definitely a kid that I developed a pretty good mentoring rapport with. I would yeah. say that you were in my class before or after school. Would, would it be fair to say every day during yeah, your sophomore was... and junior year? It was every day because even if it wasn't with the people I was usually with, I would go in there at least once just to say hi. So every day, yeah. Well, and then, like, I mean, I, how, how did we build that relationship? Like, why were you so comfortable around me and sort of elevated me to this kind of... I, th- I think it was partially because you... I'd have questions and I'd ask them and they would be interesting questions or questions sometimes I was uncomfortable asking, but you would always answer and we would debate and I knew I could go to you and talk to you about things. So I think I just started to do that after class before I would run off to lunch uh, during the year. And the next year I just would go in and we would just talk or even if we just sat down and you were working on something and I was working on something. It was just, it was a safe environment that I knew I could talk to you about pretty much anything about that was okay. It was good. Yeah. No. And I, I, gosh, I recall we did have just 
hundreds of conversations. And usually it was on kind of controversial stuff sometimes. Yeah. I, and, I have to admit, there was a time that I felt kind of bad about loving the feeling so much, but um, I can be a fire starter. And the day that I learned that was when I, when we were in the class and one of the girls that we both knew was in there saying something, just ranting, and you called her out on something that she said just a little bit. And I, and I just did the most inflammatory thing that I could. It wasn't wrong. It was, you know, without a side, I just said it. And she got all defensive and you got into like, you know what? He's right. And you both got into it. And I left and I felt so Wait, bad about leaving. Hold on, you with hold that. On. Let's, I, 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 I'm, I'm not entirely remembering this story. Let's, let's, let's share it. What, what, what was this specifically? Uh, so uh, hopefully, hopefully it's nothing terribly inappropriate. Revealing too many. No, I don't think we should. I'll. T I can tell you after the you podcast, me, but it's a little too. Okay. A little but, too. Huh. Yeah. So it, 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 was was it like the language that you or the girl were using? Was Not it the language? It was just the. The topic was, definitely. It would definitely be taken as controversial it's not something i'd be comfortable sharing okay. on this podcast <laughs> okay well well hey and that's the thing about history man like you know i've i i'm required by the state of nevada to deep dive into slavery to deep dive into racism to deep dive into a lot of things and i definitely yeah. uh expose certain kids and call them out um yes it was like, a more modern thing just and you oh things like race are viewed nowadays but just the general topic is a bit too specific to be discussed too, right now too taboo and and I, I i've shared this story on my podcast before also without using names but i'm pretty sure did you transfer into a class with a kid who was openly racist um, or maybe that maybe you didn't transfer into that class I don't know. Uh, there was a kid who was definitely a class clown that you butted heads with sometimes, but most of the time you both got along. Yeah. Because uh, if that you said in one of your previous episodes, because I skimmed through them before this, that you get along better with the people who are who put a comic spin on a lot of things, but there was there was things that came out about him later that I don't know if that's who you're referring to but at the time I don't believe there was anybody who in there who was openly racist or anything like that oh well I there definitely was a kid who was openly racist and many people including some ROTC kids told me to give up on this kid but I didn't and I kept trying to teach him. I kept correcting his mistakes. And eventually he admitted to me that racism was wrong. So I think that's kind of my greatest triumph as an educator. It's creating this space where kids can express themselves. And when a kid expresses a, a, a terrible idea like racism or sexism, I'm obviously not going to support their idea, but yeah. I will put on my speech and debate hat and I'll say, okay, explain to me why are women inferior? Let's go. Yeah. You know, I will yeah, challenge your idea. That is the that that is where the extracurricular stuff comes in with a lot of good skills, especially things like speech and debate. That's probably one of the most important classes that my friend who wants to be a teacher who took speech and debate for all four years said that he almost thinks that at least one semester of speech and debate should be given to kids or some similar style of teaching because it's much better. I, I just learned it from, I, I was lucky enough to have parents that taught me to ask questions and understand all points of view, even the ones you disagree the most with to sympathize a little bit and you'll better be able to reach them and understand their argument. So speech and debate teaches that as well. So it's a lot easier to ask why, you know, where are you coming from? Lead me through your thought process for this because 
it's a lot easier to see flaws in logic and arguments that way and point them out in ways that aren't well this is why you're obviously wrong it's a well think about it this way and you provide counter arguments that hit the points that their arguments are weakest at and that is something that i wish everyone was taught and could do because that would probably that would solve a lot of issues today and more critical thinking that would definitely yes. help the world today i i agree um yeah and so and joe i know a lot of times when you came into my class you didn't always ask me about school or lessons so much of it was just life advice yes um and and I'm I'm curious, how did I become your life advisor? Because I never gave you a business card. I never said therapy open for sessions. But well, uh, I guess it was you know, I had an issue that I wanted advice on. And even if I told you about the issue, I knew you were safe. I knew you wouldn't just go and spread my issues or or do the <laughs> thing that. Oh man, the whole bully thing of well, let me approach this guy and try to solve the issue. You know, you would let me handle it on my own. You just give me the proper advice, and you'd warn me if like you're like, all right, before you tell me this, this is something that I might have to yeah. go to a counselor about or report or whatever. So, you know, I I was never in that position, but I knew a couple of people who were, and you yeah, there, warned there were them times of that. where I did have to get you know, higher levels involved once kids shared personal stories with me. Yeah. Um, and you you are aware of that because it was definitely yes. involved in your social circle. Um, but yeah, that was stressful. <laughs> but, but, but why? Yeah, I, I'm just curious, though, like what what made you make that choice? Maybe I don't even know if you can remember, but I'm sure there was the first time when you came into my room early and just shared a question with me. What? Because I, I don't, I imagine you didn't do that with all your teachers. God no, <laughs> I did that with rarely any teachers. I think you might have been one of the only ones that I did. Because usually the way I gauge it is just me personally. I will go up to you and ask you a question that is very low risk. If it gets out, I don't care. You know, however you respond, I'll be able to take it. And so I will ask those questions and just feel my way about what can I ask? Where's my limits? What do I feel comfortable talking about? What do you feel comfortable talking about? And, you know, you just had a lot of topics that were on the table that I knew I was safe talking to you about because everyone needs to find because not every teacher is someone you can go to you don't feel safe with every teacher but everyone needs to find at least one adult who isn't their parents who isn't in their family and who isn't an administrator per se who you can comfortably talk to about things without worry and so you were definitely that teacher for me you i i can't explain why you just well, and I and, ended and, up asking the questions. Uh, you know, uh, my my final year at Rancho, I you were probably there sometimes when there were like thirty kids in my room before school started. Yeah, I remember. And, I walked in one time and like my girlfriend and I, we just walked in and we were like, "Oh no!" We said <laughs> hi and we left because it was so claustrophobic because there were so many kids who wanted to talk to you about things. And, and I, I, I'm just still baffled how I, I, the kids have that comfortability with me. And I mean, yes, I agree with you that I, I will be the springboard for kids' ideas. I will give them honest advice. I will hear their problems. I'll offer them solutions. But I've, it's it, it's something that I didn't expect becoming an educator. I mean, I knew I would make good rapport with kids, and I, I knew I wanted to work with kids, but. There's, there's almost yeah this this free therapy clinic sign outside my classroom door and I'm like how did I make that? So I guess strange. maybe the, the the big reason why students and teachers don't always expect it and it just happens and then when you look back at it, it's like how did we get there? That just seems like a weird development, is because you think 
I'm a student, you're a teacher. So there is a professional relationship and nothing beyond that. But oftentimes, you know, people that you see every day that you talk to, you're going to get along eventually and you're going to make friends. You know, alternatively, you can make enemies, but most of the time that doesn't happen and you just don't talk to them in that case. But so we, I definitely saw that we were pretty much after you were no longer my teacher, but I was still a student at the school you worked at. We were friends with quotation marks because I'll, I'll say mentor that's the word yes. i'm most comfortable with because yeah I, you know what, I i this is the first interaction we've ever had outside of email or rancho high school and True. and like you know like i'm i'm a grown adult okay like i don't i don't want to be friends with my students but i want my students to succeed i really yeah. care about them it's that that mentor, older brother, father kind of vibe. Yeah, so I see that, but this one might just be me, but I find mentorship usually comes with friendship. If you don't have yeah. a possible, because I mean, even if it's not a, even if it's like, this is just, you know, you're here to guide me, you're here to help, and we can talk about things and converse, but we're not, friends i'm like this is someone i would be fine just meeting up and having lunch with and chilling with after i'm out of high school we could just talk or whatever so yeah. you know not right now but it's a possibility so at least the possibility of friendship is there because i know that especially nowadays anything closer than mentorship and it's people start looking at it strangely even if there's nothing there yeah, there, because there, there obviously is nothing really yes mentioned. yeah no, no it's like i just feel stuff, especially with mutual acquaintances of ours other students that you've had that i've known a lot of people would go to you with issues in their life even just to vent and you would be there for it so it's more a safety thing yeah, no, I, I, I had to talk some kids down quite a couple of times, yeah. as you're probably aware of it. Yeah. Kids wanted to start a fight or kids were having uh, thoughts of dropping out of high school and stuff like that. And I, I would be their springboard more than anything else um, to, to hear them out. Yeah. Huh. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I'm, I'm clearly good at allowing students to be comfortable around me like that because i know many teachers are not many teachers really struggle to build that level of a relationship with their students and i guess somehow for me it's an intrinsic part of who i am and i i really couldn't tell you why yeah and i guess that's part of it it's part of the way you teach you just based off of the way you teach and the way i felt being taught by you it seems like you want to connect with a student to better teach them. So that first connection helps pave the way for other connections, which make people feel safe and comfortable and other teachers don't make that connection or they're personally not comfortable making that connection. And that's okay. There are some people who are just like, I just, you know, I care about these kids, but I just want to teach them, make sure they're good but quite frankly, my time is my time. I don't want to have to worry about them or whatnot. So, yeah, I think it's just maybe part of it is you don't try. You just, it just happens. Yeah. Yeah. Natural stuff. All right. Cool. Um, all right. So now uh, hopefully you can comment about just what makes a student a successful student like what what should the goals of high school be what should we we try to do in the four years you're there that's it's that, that's probably the most difficult question to answer because i what, what is the purpose of high school let's throw that one out i think the purpose of high school is to prepare you for the world uh you know, you need to learn the academic lessons they're teaching you, but I think more importantly, you need to learn how to 
deal with teachers that you don't like because you're eventually going to have a boss that you don't like and you have to work under them anyway. You know, you might eventually get a different job. They might get replaced. You'll get promoted. Something will happen. But you, for the time being, you're going to have to work with them and with other people in groups that you don't like. Uh, you're going to have to be able to handle social situations in the world just in public or socially that high school really prepares you for. And so that one, I mean, teachers can help with preparing you for, you know, workplace skill, you know, with workplace skills and etiquette and that relationship between, you know, superior and, uh, I guess, lower level workers, I guess you could call us. Uh, but the, a lot of the social things just comes from interaction with students and ways that we stand up for ourselves and ways that we interact with each other. And there's a lot of kids who kind of find what works and then they develop it later in college and early in their adult life. There's some people who are socially awkward and have social anxiety that try to get out of it, but other people push them down and it doesn't help. And that's not good either. Uh, there are some people who are socially awkward and embrace it and isolate and they're perfectly happy, which is okay. But you just have to find what works for you, how to interact with people the best way you can. Well, and let me build off that. So uh, you obviously lost the tail end of your senior year with the, the coronavirus crisis. And yes. it appears more and more likely that we will not have in-person school. Um, what, what are your thoughts of the online version of high school? I think that a lot of kids are going to be a bit stunted in their social growth and their academic growth because they're not going to get effective. I mean, just from the online teaching that I got, it's it doesn't work as well if you don't have kids get up when they don't want to and go to school because that, you know, you don't have the discipline of, ah, I got to get up the next morning. It's like, I'll be late to the Zoom call. I, you know, they'll understand because a lot of the times you can't control it. And the thing with, you can't make any work mandatory. I don't know how they're going to do it this next school year. They, they must make but it mandatory. Yeah. At the end of this last year, they said, we're not making any work mandatory because not all students have access to online. I'm like, so... There's really no reason to do anything. <laughs> I know me as a senior, I was like, I did the, the, you know, the first assignments. And then eventually I'm like, man, what's the point? <laughs> and that, that was, you know, that kind of developed ever since the coronavirus thing started in like early March, there were issues with, I got really upset because, uh, the like a lot of seniors because they said all right so coronavirus is an issue no gatherings of over 250 people so no prom no grad oh. night no oh. and so they just took all this stuff away and all of us were like are you serious what are you doing this the most dangerous place for us the most crowded place the most populous place is school there are like almost 4,000 kids at rancho high school so we were like, why are we allowed to go to school if we aren't allowed to do that? So I know a lot of the seniors, and I quite honestly helped start the, like, what's the point? Why are we <laughs> doing this? Evolution. <laughs> I mean, kind of, a little bit. It didn't go down because we... All right, so first of all, I should clarify what I mean by your revolution comment. Uh, the... Uh, we were complaining because we were like, what's the point of doing anything? If we're not going to get the good stuff of being a senior, we're through three quarters of the year. We might, we're pretty much going to graduate. Just, you know, do what you need to pass and then that's it. So I was thinking if you really 
really want us to be safe and that's why you're doing this, you'd actually shut school down. You wouldn't just take away the good stuff, you know, because I have less danger there than here. So I kind of did get people started. I reached out to a couple friends that uh, I was like, hey, so seniors, right? We're allowed to go to school, but we can't go to these fun things. This Friday on this week, we are going to go to school and in every class, we are going to sit down and do nothing. Literally not play on our phones, not work, not anything. We're just going to sit down and do nothing because, you know, what's the point? And they were getting into it and they were getting all excited. They spread it around. Apparently, there were a lot of people who were going to actually do this. Then that week, like, because we organized that on a Friday, that week, they were like, school is closed for the foreseeable future. And so I'm like, I'm happy. And they're like, but what about the thing? I said, no, I got what my, what I wanted. (laughs) The protest succeeded. Yeah. If you want us to be, if you want us to be safe because of this, then keep us home from school. Don't put us in this big thing. If you're not going to put us in these little things. So it worked. I'm like, they did what I wanted them to do. If they were really concerned about our safety and that's how they wanted to approach it, approach it all the way. Don't just do it a little. So I realize there's a lot more levels to that than I or any other student really considered, but short-sighted, I guess. Well, and and how personally disappointed are you that you didn't get the the crossover assembly, the multicultural day, the prom, the graduation, the Disneyland trip? Like, because I I know Rancho High School did a lot for seniors. They did, and I was getting excited I, i'm really bummed because i feel like just you know at first i didn't feel like it but especially with the graduation i'm like man that was it <laughs> it was just like every other year before because pretty much everything from the last year was just like the year before only some things i knew it was it was the last time and so I was all excited for the end of the year stuff, celebrating that I'm a senior, preparing me, you know, emotionally, mentally, that I like, man, I'm going to leave, but I might as well make the most of it. And then it gets cut short and it's like, well, that so much for that, you know, guess it's over. Yeah. yeah and I, I also uh, already put in the paperwork to get out one day of my high school to come back to Rancho High School for the crossover assembly and just to say say a final goodbye to so many students yeah. I made an impact on. I would have um, loved but, to see you there, but... I uh, know, it would have been a big old surprise. It would have been great, but it obviously didn't happen because uh, of the yeah. corona. So, dang. Shucks. But, uh, so, so do you expect that next year, uh, even if it's all online or half online, do you think there will be kids that adapt your attitude and say, well, if there's none of the fun things, if there's no sports, no activities, why am I going to do the work? Absolutely. Oh, man. I think, yeah, I think that's going to be a big issue because there are going to be students who, like, I need to learn or honestly, a lot of it's going to be, I don't have anything else to do. I'm just bored, so I'm going to go to school, you know, or, but there's going to be a lot of students just turning on their computer, turn off the microphone, turn off the camera, and just leave their computer to sit while maybe record it so that way later they can find out the homework and the important stuff for it, but they're just going to pass. They're going to just drift through high school, and it's going to hurt a lot of kids. Especially in that social development stuff. Yeah. Because I think you, you even, yeah, you said that's almost more important than the academic stuff. Absolutely. And so it's it's going to hurt a lot of kids. They're going to get out in the world and be like, I don't know how to, I mean, not fully. I don't know how to interact with people, but it's going to be a lot harder, you know, because there are people who don't do things like date in high school or whatnot. And that is important, but you can do it later. Things like, how do I make friends? Because something that I didn't realize I was learning the further I got in high school and the more we were considering our lives after was having the quote-unquote adult conversations about like work and plans for college and how we're preparing and how we're excited for this and it's like man we're actually talking about productive things and you know it's not just 
shooting the breeze because that's fun too. But I think a lot of it might be a bit harder to flow into that, and they'll get it. It's just it won't be as easy. Okay, and uh, yeah, why don't you share for the podcast what what are your plans now that you're done with high school? So I want to go into the United States Air Force. Hopefully, I will be going into pararescue in special forces, but I recognize that's not, you know, that that particular field has a high drop rate. So I have backup plans. I want to do welding or machining, you know, metals technology in the Air Force if I don't get in. And maybe I'll try again, but I definitely want to go in the Air Force for something, no matter what it is at first, because... It's just a good idea economically. It'll give me insurance. It'll give me free college afterwards. It, you know, it'll set me up for a lot of good things in my life. Uh, then afterwards, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff I want to do. I want to do. I like blacksmithing. You know, I could do welding or something uh, as a day job. But I want to eventually, you know, make music and movies. Uh, maybe on the more academic side, I can go to school, get degrees in philosophy or psychology or Persian anthropology, you know? Whoa. So we're going deep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so, uh, are, are you signing up for the air force now? Or are you going to do ROTC in college? I hadn't done, I hadn't talked to the recruiter before, but. Now they're just opening up again, and there's a big, are, you know, things going to close again? So uh, I I gave them my information so we could text or call or email about it, but I haven't gotten anything so far. It's only been a couple days, but yeah, I'm going to sign up. And then uh, while I wait for the Air Force, because... Even if I do get in, it'll probably be at least a few months before I actually get sent off. I plan to do you know, a semester or two at CSN for welding classes or EMT or something that gives me something to do, something to get my parents off my back at least. Uh, you know, just something to get experience in to prepare me for a career later. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, hey, you're you're done with high school, so by all by all accounts, you're you're ready to join society. Yeah. It's just the, the global pandemic has really uh, yeah. dampened those options for you. <laughs> one thing one thing that I am proud of the school with during this whole thing is keeping counselor resources open for anyone who needs to talk or anyone who's unsure about what they want to do. Uh, with their life afterwards because I mean I'm just glad that I was glad my junior and senior year that it was it pulled away from you have to go to college to get a degree to do well in life to you can go to the military or you can do a trade school because I'm probably going to do a trade after the military because aside from the fact that it pays a lot of money which is related to the next point there's a lot of people that are needed because so many people are going to college, not as many people are going to trades. So they give you that information and tell you the benefits about that too. They give you the resources. And so I found out by volunteering, which the school you know, wanted us to do, that uh, I much prefer working with doing real physical work it doesn't have to be hard manual labor but as long as i'm doing something productive that i can go home and feel it in my body at least a little bit i'll be happier than just going and crunching numbers or typing papers or something every day yeah well then you're a smart enough guy joe you could do it you could do it either way but yeah tr- work in a trade find way to make life and live your money Make money and live your life. There you go. Yeah. Um, okay. I don't know. Any any final thoughts for for the podcast? Any questions you have for for me uh, in relation to 
the teaching world? Uh, I guess how was yeah. I'm gonna speak to my ego a little bit now. Uh, oh, how was I as oh. a student compared to other students? I'm just interested, curious. Well, I, I, I see. As I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I recall you got an A in my class, but I guess you did get a B. But but not Joe. You're definitely a memorable kid. You participated. You asked deep, critical thinking questions. Um, and I could tell even what the 14, 15 year old version of you like. You 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 had a you had a good mind. You were capable of critical thinking. You wanted to learn the truth. You wanted to understand multiple sides of a situation. And yeah, plenty plenty. I I think there were multiple times I was just like eating yogurt. At six thirty in the morning in my classroom, <laughs> you'd come in, and Mr. Brown. This deep philosophical problem is bothering me, and I would, you know, hear you out, and you'd talk about it for a long time. I'd then, you know, mention a couple things, and and I don't know if we ever got solutions to many of those issues. I think it was, I think you, maybe you sought me out because maybe most of your friends were willing to have those conversations and you knew that I would, I would hear you out and I would try to match and grow your, your intellect in, in understanding the the more complicated things in life and society. Yeah. It gives somebody to bounce ideas off of, ask questions because a lot of the times when I ask questions, especially philosophical questions, which I, personally think that we're probably never going to find the solution to those answers yeah. that we did, but uh, I I will develop my thinking by bouncing questions off of you and then answering them myself. And it's better if there's somebody there to watch me as I do that. I'll have a discussion with somebody where it's entirely me speaking and I'll feel better afterwards. Yeah. But, um, so in relation to what you said about me my wanting to search for the truth I think something that teachers could maybe take from that and this might sound a little arrogant I, I'm here I'm I don't here mean it idea. yeah I didn't mean it in that way or I don't mean it in that way but my parents taught me that way and that's just how I am not a lot of not many other students are like that you know there are plenty of other students who do that, but there's an outnumbering amount who don't care as much. So if teachers can find a way to help make a group of students, you know, because there's a bunch of different types of students and everyone is individually different, but if you can find a way to get more students to want to search for that truth, find out, you know, get them to find out what they're interested in maybe relate that to everything that they're learning because then they can uh, then they can be more productive in their education, get a better grasp on their education. Uh, I, I think it would just be better for school as a whole in all levels. Well, yeah. How, how do you make kids become critical thinkers? That's something I, I try my best to do and clearly you figured it out somehow. Um, yeah. So, all right, cool. Well, yeah, thanks a lot, Joe. Thanks for being on the podcast. I uh, no hope uh, hope you had a good time, and uh, I wish you wish you the best of luck in your Air Force endeavors. Thank you. You as well. Yeah, cool. Well, I, right. I know what you. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, oh, hold on. Uh, if you would like to reach out to the Modern Educator Podcast, uh, please send an email to uh, VegasModernEducator at gmail .com. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay, come on. Stop recording. There we go. Boom.